containers in the building. With Hollywood code, I'm with Marla G, bro. Flying Holly Grow chicks to my Hollywood shows, and I wanna tell you something that you probably should know. What is, is up? What has happened? Welcome back to another edition of the Fantasy Authority Podcast. I am your host, Kevin Steele. You can follow me on Twitter at FantasyRath13. Joined as always, and as beautiful as always, with those that without a haircut yet. You know, I, I thought barbers were open by now, but I guess not where you're at. You can nope. find Cody on Twitter at CKutzerFF. What's going on? Nothing, man. For some reason, it feels like it's it's been a while since the last podcast, even though it's only uh, only been a week. For some reason, the the past week has gone by slowly. Maybe it was the uh, the demon chasing me since since last time has gotten to me. But I'm uh, gonna be doing a uh, little mock draft tonight. Tonight, and since since you're forcing me to do rankings, this will at least give me uh, give me a little bit of a head start to uh, figure out where I'm sitting on some of these guys. Hey, it's for the brand, right? It's for the brand. You know, you got to do it. Uh, you know, mine, I actually just made a big update online today, actually. Uh, but mine are done. You know, you got to go in. You got to, you got to, you got to make it happen. I mean, uh, th- they are the worst. They really are. But the people want them. So. <laughs> they do. Clamoring for the rankings all the time. And uh, just so people know, a little update. We are, we have a, a, our new show, which is going to be called Front Lines of Fantasy, where we're going to be interviewing some, some veterans about their uh, experience in the military and uh, see if, you know, some of them actually have some stories about the, you know, fantasy football playing it while they're in the military and stuff like that, how it impacts them. Actually, we have uh, Kent Wyrock on, on, on Thursday. We're really excited about the first episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. And so we have that. Plus, we've also part- partnered with the uh, Wounded Warrior Project as well to do some, um, try to raise the money for them as well. It's a good cause. So uh, we'll, we'll be talking about more of that on Thursday, but I just want to give everybody an update. They can look forward to the first first episode of that, and it should be a lot of fun and a lot of really good information. Not a, a good story. We'll talk a little fantasy, but other than that, it'll be more uh, you know centered around that. So why don't we just jump right into it, right? Give Let's those people it. what they want. There's no point in just sitting around and bullshitting all night. Let's, uh, let's do a mock. I mean, it's May 19th, and we're doing a mock. So the May mock. Dash of this, dash of that. There we go. We got it up. So let's go ahead. <laughs> let's go ahead and hit that begin draft. You ready, dude? I'm. I was. I was born ready. All right. So if everybody understands, this is a twelve-team half-point PPR redraft. So the first five picks were, uh, you know, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, and Zeke Elliott. Pretty much par for the course of what I figured it would be. Oh, I'm on the clock. Um, <laughs> par for the course. You know, the one six spot is tough, right? Because the, the top tier running backs are off the board, and there ain't no way in hell I'm messing with no Derrick Henry. I'm going to go no? Chuck and go Michael Thomas. No uh, no Derrick Henry there for you? No, not for me. I don't know. Like, I've seen people have him ranked as, like, the. I've seen people try to make cases for him as the number one running back, which is ludicrous to me, especially in, like, a half or full point PPR. 
I think I think you know guys like like and I've seen like Alvin Kamara go as late as like one seven, one eight, and to and to me that's a little bit ridiculous. I know he uh, you know regressed a little bit last year, wasn't the same player that he was. But the the problem with Derrick Henry is gonna gonna be continuous uh, with the fact that he does not catch passes. If game script changes at all with him this year, which I I think it's going to, I do not think that the Titans are going to go on that crazy run that they went on last year. And once that happens, like he gets pulled off the field. And so if, if they if they are not in positive game scripts for him, then it's gonna be a real problem. And all these people that are taking him so early like it's just it's just way too high for me yeah man i don't, I don't really i've always been a uh a derrick Hen- henry hater so um you're not going to get any any sort of disagreement out of me for for not taking derrick henry in the first round yeah so so far so it's so what michael thomas tyree killed deandre hopkins josh jacobs then you went julio derrick henry joe mixon Devonte Devonte adams in the second round that's a steal for me if, if I don't think he, that's where he's going to end up going, because I, I look at Devontae Adams, and I, I know he had that down year last year, he got hurt and everything else, but I think he could end up seeing 160, 170 targets. Yeah, at the uh, at the 110, that's who my decision was between. It was between Adams or Julio, and obviously I went, I went Julio there. And I mean, I think Julio is going to be looking at the the same amount of targets, and I I, I just feel like that might be. It just might be a, a more fantasy friendly offense, to be honest. Well, I think so for Julio. I mean, I do think the Falcons are going to be a very heavy pass offense, and with, with the team we talked about last week. And as of right now, they don't really have a third wide receiver, so I, I think the target's going to be really concentrated between him and Calvin Ridley. And I think Calvin Ridley's going a little bit too late. Um, to be honest with you, like I think Calvin Ridley's a bit of a steal. He's going like the fifth, sixth round in best ball, like. I, I know, like, um, Evan Silva, actually, I was listening to a podcast speaking of that, of that but uh, he think, he has him as a top 10 wide receiver. Calvin Ridley, that is. Oh, boy. <clears throat> oh, well, I mean, I, this is you, my decision is easy here. Uh, I'm going to go Chris Godwin. Yeah, that was my I, – I went Chubb at 2-3. And for me, that's just more, more or less with running backs are going to get gobbled up quickly. <clears throat> obviously every year in fantasy football because everybody wants to, there's only so many workhorses to go around. Right. So I, I just didn't feel comfortable that there would be one of those sitting there for me in the third. And with how deep the wide receiver position is, uh, that's ultimately what had me go Nick Chubb at two, three to pair him with Julio at one ten there for me. Are you, are you nervous at all with Nick Chubb and uh, the presence of Kareem Hunt still being back there? I don't know, man. Not necessarily. If you look at who came in with Stefanski coming in from from Minnesota, um, I mean, they they leaned on. Obviously, there was no like as much as we like both of us liked Madison last year. He's not Kareem Hunt, right? But I, man, I just I don't know. I, I can see Hunt coming in and taking some touches off of him. Does he? I think he probably takes away a little bit more in the in the passing game, which is obviously an issue in in PPR leagues, which is you know becoming the the overwhelming norm. But I I, I just to me like it wouldn't wouldn't surprise me at all if Nick Chubb was seeing I don't know seventy percent of the carries and if he gets three targets a game. You know what I mean? Like that. Like if he ends up with. 30 catches at the end of the year. I mean, you're looking at kind of what uh, Leonard Fournette ended up doing. What was that? His rookie year when he put up 30 catches whenever it was a 30 or 40 when no one thought that he he could do that. So it, it, it really doesn't bother me all that much, to be honest. 
Yeah, I think some of it's being overblown a little bit with him. Um, I, do. I think the, the same can be said with Aaron Jones and probably Miles Sanders. Um, even Miles Sanders, people, you know, were all over the the report that came out that they're looking at bringing in like a Carlos Hyde type running back or something like that. And even if they do, it doesn't really worry me that much with Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders is going to get a ton of pass catching work. I still think he averages. It probably comes in somewhere in that fifteen to twenty range in terms of touches per game. So. I still, and if it pushes Miles Sanders' value down at all, I'm I'm here for it because I love Miles Sanders this year. He's one of my favorite yep. running backs to go to to get early. Um, so for, so a little draft update. Uh, I took Chris Godwin. You know this sleeper, really. Antonio Brown went two two eight. <sighs> hey man, look that that actually might be realistic there's always that guy every year in your drafts who's gonna do something like that so maybe maybe they're just putting in the you know the buffalo wild wings this guy started pre-gaming for the draft mode you know what i mean <laughs> maybe that is what it is uh but anyway the so that, the thing that was... i'm upset with here is i can't figure out how to scroll on my uh desktop so it's like it's the frustrating part about this but it's actually you can barely see it, but it's actually there. Like it, you barely tell it's there, and you can scroll down. It's but it's it's very hard to see. And that is why I ended up taking uh, <laughs> Keenan Allen. Not not that it, like I really think that's a a bad pick by any means. Taking Keenan Allen in the third, considering he's going to be leading that team in targets, even if the targets are going to be coming down, but might have not went that direction at that point. Tell me about uh, going Kenny Galladay in the third. Do you think that's? Do you think he goes higher than that by the time that July comes around? Do you think it's going to kind of be where he settles, give or take a couple of spots between now and then? Yeah, I, I do. I actually have him as a top ten wide receiver right now. Um, I think I have him at nine or ten. So I love some Kenny Galladay. I think the you know with Matt Stafford being back in this offense, I think this offense is going to be you know similar to what we saw earlier in the year last year, where this offense was really kind of exploding a little bit and putting up a lot of fantasy points. So Kenny Galladay is clearly the number one. I do think Marvin Jones is also a pretty solid value that people are kind of sleeping on. Um, I've seen him um, at places go at like wide receiver 46, 47. That's just too low. I have him at wide receiver 36. I think he has the ability to be a wide receiver three and and provide wide receiver two upside. So I really like this pass catching offense. And so, yeah, I have no problem. Like I think Kenny Galli is a steal, and it's tough for me right now because I'm sitting here, and I'm like, oh, I, sh- I probably should take a running back, right? Because I have Michael Thomas, Chris Godwin, and Kenny Galladay, and I've got to take a running back. But I'm sitting here, and I'm like, ooh, Allen Robinson's staring me right in the face. And I, he's another guy I have as a top 10 wide receiver. So mm-hmm. I don't think I, – I think some of these – this is a little skewed, but I think this is a good – at least uh, a good way to – kind of judge things as they as you know uh doing a draft now but i'm just going to go ahead and take clyde edwards Solaire in the fourth round which let's be fair he's not going to be going in the fourth round once we get to uh once we get to draft season in august he's likely going to go where do you think clyde edwards Solaire ends up at least at least around higher probably beginning of the third this is where i'd assume he he ends up going and you got him here at, at four seven so like a round and a half higher probably I agree. So, did you already get picked? David Johnson already go? Uh, three picks before. All right, well, let's do a little little draft recap here. This so people know where we're at. So, so well, I took Kenny Galladay. The next pick was 
Well, actually, it's, it's Chris Godwin, and Antonio Brown, Lamar Jackson, Miles Sanders, Travis Kelsey went 211, Adam Thielen went 212 to wrap up the, the second round. The third round went Leonard Fournette, Amari Cooper, Austin Eckler, Melvin Gordon, Chris Carson, Kenny Galladay, Cooper Cup, Devonta Freeman, Kenyon Drake, you went Keenan Allen, Devin Singletary, which is probably way too high considering how he'll shake out. Calvin Ridley, which we, uh, which I talked about. Le'Veon Bell, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, T.Y. Hilton, James Conner, A.J. Brown. Then I went Clyde Edwards-Solaire. I better hurry up and pick Mark Andrews, Allen Robinson, Mark Ingram, Debo Samuel, DJ Chark. I'll, I'll take over the fifth here while you make your pick. So at 5-1, uh, looks like Zach Ertz was the third tight end off the board. Uh, and then Russell Wilson comes in at 5-2, David Johnson, David Montgomery, Kyler Murray at 5-5, five, five, and Fantasy Wrath 13 just took Jonathan Taylor at the 5-6. Yeah, so let's be honest here, right? So th- these rookies are going to go a little bit higher than what they're going right now in May. Um, you know, the ADP hasn't pushed them up high enough yet to where they're actually going to go. I actually think there's a chance Clyde Edwards, Clyde Edwards Hilaire goes in the second, mid second, even early second, depending on how things shake out. Um, his draft stock is just going to continue to rise. We're going to get more information, or he may not get as much information depending on how everything shakes out with the pandemic. So, you know, if we don't get as much information as we normally yeah. do, I, I do think Clyde Edwards Hilaire is going to go much higher than this. And this is kind of kind of almost par for the course of what we see for rookie running backs um, the last couple of years, really going back to probably Zeke, right? Where it was kind of almost unheard of to see running backs go this high. Now it's just become kind of norm. And then my next pick was Jonathan Taylor. Now I did wait on, on wide receiver or on running back. So I do not expect in, in typical drafts for these guys to be there. Um, I probably would have went, I guess I could have went uh, David Montgomery there in the fourth round as well, uh, or David Johnson. Um, if I think both of those have a strong chance of being there. I think the hate on David Johnson has gone a little bit too far this year. I get it. With David, with David Johnson, like I think he's going to come in there and command most of that offense and that backfield, and yep. it's it's still a valuable position to be in next to Deshaun Watson. So, as long as if he can stay healthy, like I, I like some, you know, getting some some David Johnson, especially in the, in the fifth round, like that, that's a pretty nice value for him. And I don't I don't anticipate him to go much higher than that. He might sneak up into the fourth or something like that. But I, I he's not somebody that I'm I'm worried about. That's going to all of a sudden you know, go much higher than that. Because I think a lot of people still have, you know, their concerns with him. And rightfully so, because he has been able to stay healthy. But it's the same thing we've sort of talked about with him is the fact that people just ignore the fact that through the first five weeks last year that he was an RB5. And then he got hurt. And then he got put in the bad situation with King and Drake and everything else that happened. He never really gave, gave, was given much of a chance after that. I mean, I, I really like um, David Johnson this year. And if I can get him in the fifth or sixth round, I'm doing cartwheels. Well, I can't really do a cartwheel, let's be honest. Figure of speech. I mean, we, we, <laughs> we knew what you meant. No, I agree, because that's, um, I mean, if, if we look at uh, B.O.B.'s history as a, as a coach, all right, let's not, let's not get into the whole GM thing. Um, but as a coach, he's, he's more or less relied on one guy, right? So obviously with bringing in David Johnson, He's going to get the the majority of the workload. Hyde is obviously no longer there. Duke is still there, but I mean, he was there last year with Hyde, and you know, to to our chagrin, did not get used as as much as we thought that he should. But I could just see that being the same case this year, where it's you know Duke being sprinkled in and uh, David Johnson getting the the bulk of the carries and the bulk of the touches out of that backfield and. Uh, 
in the fifth round, if you can get a guy who's going to be leading that, you know, leading a backfield and touches and not really having too much other competition, like you got to, you got to take that. I agree. I mean, I think somebody like David Montgomery also was in that kind of same position last year. He did not really work out for a lot of fantasy owners and people, and I, you've seen his value drop a little bit. Now, fifth round, I think that's not terrible. Like, uh, that's probably right where I'd want to take him. I wouldn't probably want to take him extremely higher than that. But I think there's a real path for him to have 250 to 270 touches this year. And if he does, like, right now I have him ranked as, like, a low-end RB2. But I, th- I think there's definitely room for growth there. And we saw last year, like, if they would, they just never really committed it to him. So we'll see if this offense can turn it around and be a little bit better this year. I think David Montgomery could be somebody that's in for a, kind of a big bounce back year. The only thing that has me slightly hesitant on Montgomery is they really didn't do anything. I, I mean, I don't think they did anything at all, honestly, to to do anything about that offensive line, which was not good last year. And we saw that even though he was able to overcome it at Iowa State, he was not able to overcome that in the in the NFL. So I mean, I, I do think that because of the jump and going from Iowa State to the NFL, you know, I mean, there's obviously going to be that that learning curve. Um, so he, you know, I mean, he could he could bounce back just from that alone because I think he's like you said, he's another guy who is going to get the majority of the touches. But we'll kind of have to just wait and see how that all shakes out for him. So uh, with that, you know, I took Jonathan Taylor and then Deshaun Watson went off the board at 5'7". DJ Moore at 5'8". I think that is way too low. He's definitely going to be going higher than that. Um, he's a lot of people a lock to be a wide receiver one this year. A lot of people have him inside their to be a wide receiver one. I think I have him borderline either 12 or 13. Uh, you know, and then after that is Robert Woods, Odell Beckham in the fifth five. At the 5'10", seems like an absolute steal. But... Uh, I'm going to ask you about him here in a second once I get through this. But Marlon Mack, then A.J. Green went 5-12. And then Stefan Diggs, Cortland Sutton, Todd Gurley is who you went with next. Dak Prescott, Michael Gallup, Jarvis Landry. Juju Smith-Schuster in the sixth is way too low. Yeah, yeah. Uh, He's going to go higher than that. on Johnson, Darren, uh, Darren Waller, Lamar Miller. Oh, my God. <sighs> what are you doing? Anyway, Kareem Hunt, Darius Guys, Ter- Terry McLaurin. Brandon Cooks, Hunter Henry, Tyler Boyd, Devontae Parker, Will Fuller, Damian Williams, Sonny Michelle, Austin Hooper, Cam Akers in the 710, Evan Ingram yeah. at 711, Marquise Hollywood Brown, Aaron Rodgers, Raheem Oster, and you're on the board at the 8-3. And you took who'd you take? Christian Kirk. Sir Christian Kirk. All right. So let's talk about Odell Beckham, right? He is such a tough guy to gauge because of the fact that if you if you look at a, a couple of things with him, one, he hasn't been a wide receiver one since 2016, which seems ridiculous. Like you're like, wait, what? Really? And it really has. It's been 2016 since he was a wide receiver one. I love Odell as a talent. I mean, he's had some bad breaks with injuries and stuff like that that that's caused him to to have some issues and stuff like that. However. My problem, as I take Keyshawn Vaughn, um, <laughs> that 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 is your problem. It is. It really is. It's really a bad problem. It really is. I need to fix that. But 
Anyways, but with him, it's like, can you trust him to take to take him? Like, I think if he were to go at the, in the fifth round, like I, I'm all aboard that because I feel like then you have some uh, some something baked in there. You're not using that first, second, third round pick. Really, first or second round pick is usually where he goes at. If he actually was sitting there in the fifth round, it would really be ho- really really hard for me to pass up on him. But where do you see him this year? Do you think he actually bounces back finally? Yeah, man, I do. Like like you said, the. I mean that is that is kind of a crazy stat, but um, if you if you look at it, um, twenty seventeen four games, twenty eighteen twelve games. He finally played a full um, sixteen. Well, I guess for fantasy purposes, played played a full sixteen last year. But we can't forget about the the report that came out that basically said that like he should have had surgery before the season started right to take care of that sports hernia he never did he played through the entire year with a sports hernia where he you know like i said he should have had that surgery and everything would have been straightened out uh didn't didn't happen baker was obviously a massive disappointment for you know for nfl and for fantasy purposes so now i think with um with stefanski coming in they beefed up the offensive line we saw Diggs and Thielen be able to coexist as, as viable fantasy options in a run first offense. I do think they become a little more run heavy, run heavier with Stefanski coming in. But I, I do, I think that Baker bounces back. I think that entire offense in general bounces back and something that also should not be overlooked outside of that too, is like Odell still had 74 for a thousand and four touchdowns last year. Yeah, I mean, it's like he didn't. It's not like he had an awful season. We're just basing, you know, I mean, we're comparing what we expected out of him, and it it was a letdown. But you know, I mean, by all means, but um, I I think I definitely think we we get the bounce back from that from the entire offense, and that's obviously going to help um help Odell out as well. We typically do that a lot in the fantasy community, where we overhype either a team or a situation or a player. And we're usually it all looks, one it all looks great on paper, though. <laughs> right, we did it all last year with the Browns, right? Like it all, everything happened, the trade happened, and we're like, "Oh my god!" We're all sitting around doing a circle jerk, talking about how great this is going to be. The Browns are going to go to the playoffs, you know. And we all got got right, and now everybody jumps off the bandwagon and everybody j- runs away from. Like you see Baker now go, and Baker was going like people were drafting him was like the fifth, sixth, seventh quarterback last year. Now he's going at like mm-hmm. fourteen or fifteen. Same thing with with Odell. Same thing with with really Nick Chubb has dropped a little bit because of Kareem Hunt. Like all these things, this offense is not as valuable. So now you're getting it, it at a discount, and I think this is when you buy these pieces, right? It should be mentioned that Odell Beckham is now I think 27. This is his age 27 season, so he's not getting any younger. I wouldn't right. in Dynasty run out and try to like invest a ton in him or anything like that to be able to acquire him. But I do think that you could probably get him cheaper than what you normally would have in years past, especially with how much he struggled. So, like I said, if, if Odell goes even in the fourth round, like I, I will be all about that life yes. because I think that that is solid value for somebody that can put up and easily be the wide receiver one overall by the end of the year. Yeah, man, absolutely. I mean, um, I think that's I, – I do think it's where he's going to end up going is, you know, he he'll, he will probably settle in in the fourth. I think the fifth will be too late. But, I mean, we, we see it every year, guys that are hyped up, you know, the guy who drafted him last year is probably snake bitten, wants to avoid that like the plague, the the entire Browns offense. And then you have the the stench of the Browns overlooking that in general. So you're gonna have people who are just completely fading them. You know, the Browns, the Browns are always gonna be like that. And uh I, I think 
Odell and Jarvis are going fourth to probably like sixth round. It's probably we're gonna get be able to get both of those guys. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens there. But I, I do think that, uh, you know, like I said, I, I think that that's that's definitely fair. Um, so with my next pick, so basically, essentially, I've taken Keyshawn Vaughn, which I mean, I'm pretty much just tied the brand. Yeah, yeah f- definitely for the brand now with with him. Um, and then I took Jordan Howard in the ninth, which I think he ends up probably slotting in somewhere in the sixth, seventh round. I think maybe even once, maybe the fifth. But I think sixth, seventh round is probably a fair spot for him to probably go once we get closer to August. Um, and then I took Deontay Johnson, which again for the brand, love me some Deontay Johnson. And then now I'm on the clock, and you know I, I've kind of at this point, you know, I don't have a quarterback and I don't have a tight end, and I'm kind of looking around to see what's still out there, and I feel like. Yep, I gotta do it. I'm, this is just the all rookie team here, outside of Jordan Howard. Uh, I'm going J.K. Dobbins. I do not expect any of these. Like J.K. Dobbins is definitely not going to be available in the eleventh round when we get to August. He probably moves further up to probably seventh, eighth round range. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think so. With well, you know, with the presence of Mark Ingram still there, unless something happens to Mark Ingram. But J, like J.K. Dobbins, I love me some J.K. Dobbins and. Maybe this year is a little bit too early for him. Like I, uh, yeah, want- I was just I was just gonna say what like realistically, where do you see his his touches falling in his in his rookie year? Because it, like it's obviously assuming Ingram is you know healthy for fourteen games. You know, let's say. Well, I mean, they they invested a lot in him, and um, to be honest, like I, I could see him overtaking Mark Ingram. This is Mark Ingram's last year of his deal. And you know, depending on how well J.K. Dobbins performs, like I think he, he has he has a shot to, you know, this team obviously is a team that wants to run the ball, and that's what they do. And you know, they're one of the best run you know run uh, run offenses in the league. It will be interesting to see. Not a lot of people have made a big enough deal about them losing Marshall Yonda, who retired this year, who was a yeah. big big you know loss for them on among the offensive line. Now they did go out and address that in the draft. I think they added two or three interior offensive linemen. So they did address that a little bit, but um that, that is something that people should be paying a little bit more attention to, but I just think even in a redraft league, like if JK Dobbins realistically goes in the ninth or 10th round, I'm all over that because he has wide receiver one or wide receiver RB1. He could win the whole damn thing with how good this offense is in terms of on the ground and with having Lamar Jackson back there if Mark Ingram wasn't there. But with Mark Ingram there, like I do think that's going to hurt him a little bit. I do think that he's going to have uh, RB. I think he's going to have some RB one weeks. I think he's going to get touches. I think he could see somewhere between ten to fifteen touches in this offense. And I think with that, you know, if he's involved in the passing game, then you know, I, I think J.K. Dobbins can at the very least be a, a viable flex option on a week to week basis. Yeah, absolutely. For for dynasty purposes, next year it's just it's wheels all the way up for J.K. Dobbins. Oh, I 100 percent agree. 100 percent agree. Let's uh, let's let's backpedal. I, I want to hear you talk about uh, Jordan Howard a little bit more. Do you think that's just purely value there? Because obviously they they did bring in Brita. I do think that he is um, he's more dynamic. He's a better pass catcher. He's a better athlete. Do you do you kind of just think that Brita is a kind of like a change of pace back, so to speak, there and um, Howard deal like handles the majority of the catches? How do you see that situation shaking out? I, I don't know. This is a tough one, right? Because I, I really like Matt Brita as well. Like he's one of my favorite. If he, I don't think Matt Brita and Matt Brita won the eighth round and actually went ahead of Jordan Howard. 
I, I think that's a little bit too much. I think Jordan Howard probably better or for worse. I don't love Jordan Howard. Let's be perfectly honest. I do not like running backs who do not catch passes. That's not what I heard. But he is like a poor man's Jeremy Hill, right? That's really what he is. If you, it is actually, if you actually look at their numbers side by side and you look at them over the years, they are the same player. Like Jeremy Hill and Jordan. So you think I would love Jordan Howard, but I can only love one between the tackles grinder, and that is it. And that is Jeremy Hill. And that's it. That's it. Uh, I got burned by him. And, um, but anyways, with Jordan Howard, like, yeah, like, I think this offense is going to be better than what it was last year. I definitely believe that. So I think there's a lot to like here. And I also think I waited too long on a quarterback because quarterbacks have just been flying off the board. But, uh, anyways, with Howard, like, I, I think that, I think this offense takes a step forward. I think that this team is better. I think they still want to run the football. I do not think they throw. I think this defense is going to be much better than it was last year, which is going to allow them to run the ball more. We know Jordan Howard is going to be used uh, as early down back and as also on the goal line. I, I think Brita is somebody that I talked about. I think we talked about him last week. I think it was when I brought him up as a sleeper. Like I definitely think I really do like Matt Brita a lot. And if you can get him in like the tenth, eleventh round, which I think feel like that's probably fair value of where he's going to go. Uh, I'm all over that because I think that he can easily out, out outdo that. And I wouldn't be surprised if he was a lead back by the end of the year. But I, th- I do think Jordan Howard certainly has a role. They brought him in. They signed him. They did not draft anybody. All they did was go out. All you know, all they did was go out and trade for Matt Breed, and that's all they did to uh, you know to address that position. So, it, you know, Jordan Reed or Jordan Howard, if you can get him, you know, a little bit later, I'm, I'm cool with that. If he were to rise any probably further than this, I wouldn't have any interest. Makes sense. Makes sense. So I don't I don't love Jordan Howard, you know, any any more than the next guy does, but you know, somebody that could probably potentially get 200, 250 touches in this offense, you know, and have the opportunity to be the the, the you know the only goal line back in an offense that should be better than what it was last year. Yeah, I mean it's hard to kind of pass up on that, you know, in the ninth round. So um, we're we're kind of here in this spot of what are we at the thirteenth round? This you're, is uh, you are up at thirteen six. You want to go through some of the picks while I make this pick? I would. Uh, I would love to. I think the last time that we left off, that <laughs> it was about half the uh, half the draft ago. Um, after you took Juju at six seven, and went carry on Johnson, Darren Waller, Lamar Miller, Kareem Hunt, Darius Geis to finish out the sixth. Terry McLaurin, Brandon Cooks, Hunter Henry, Tyler Boyd, Devontae Parker. You took Will Fuller at 7-6. Then it went Damian Williams, Sony Michelle, Austin Hooper. I took Cam Akers at 7-10. Like we've touched on already, the, these rookies are going to be going much higher than this come, come August and July. Um, Evan Ingram, Marquise Brown finished out the seventh. Eighth round kicked off with Aaron Rodgers, and it went Raheem Mostert. I took Christian Kirk at 8-3. Ronald Jones, Philip Lindsay, Julian Edelman, Keyshawn Vaughn, Darrell Henderson, Tevin Coleman, Josh Allen, Matt Breida went at 8-11. So he actually went a couple of picks before you took Jordan Howard in the following round. Uh, Matt Ryan finished out the eighth. Ninth round went Marvin Jones, James White, Miko Harmon, Mike Williams, John Brown, the aforementioned Jordan Howard, Alexander Madison, Gronk went at 9-8. Darius Slayton, I took quarterback Carson Wentz at 9-10. Mandy Sanders went at 9-11. And then Sterling Shepard finished out the ninth. And I am back on the clock here at 13-10. 
Then in the 10th round, it was Noah Fant, Delaney Walker, DeAndre Swift, which again is way too low. He's going to end up probably going, I see, in the probably 7th, 6th, 7th round, I think, somewhere probably right on there. Probably be fair spot. Cam Newton, who's not even on a team. Drew Brees, Baker Mayfield, Deontay Johnson, who I took, Alshon Jeffrey, 10-8, which is probably way too high because of the fact that we don't even know if he's going to actually – he might start the year on the pup. Jameis Winston, who's a backup quarterback, he's definitely not going there. Sammy Watkins, Jared Cook, Tom Brady, O.J. Howard, which is way too high, Kirk Cousins, Robbie Anderson, Latavius Murray, Tony Pollard, love that pick. I took J.K. Dobbins, Jerry Judy, Jameis, Jameson Crowder, Dante Moncrief, what the – Oh, my God. Go home, sleeper. You're drunk. Uh, Preston Williams, Daniel Jones, uh, Rashad Penny, Matthew Stafford, CeeDee Lamb, Henry Ruggs, who you took, Royce Freeman, Golden Tate, Dallas Goddard, Jared Goff, who I took a quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, Carlos Hyde, who's also not on a team, Tyrell Williams, James Washington, Anthony Miller. Love that. Nikhil Harry, Curtis Samuel, David Njoku, Tyler Higby, Mike Gesicki. I took Hayden Hurst, Justice Hill, Jamal Williams, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, Paris Campbell, Andy Isabella, Chase Edmonds, Tariq Cohen, which is way too low at 14, um, Duke Johnson, and you're back on the clock. So, with kind of looking at this, like, let's throw out the bullshit picks that we know aren't going to be realistic, okay? The Dante Moncrief's, Jameis Winston's. This is what you get whenever you try to use uh, something at this time of the year. But basically what we're kind of looking at here is just wanting to get at least a basic understanding of where some of these guys are going. While we know that some of these guys are definitely going to go much higher than this as you go, but I think it's it's a smart strategy to start doing these now as you can kind of start to watch um, how you know how the drafts start to change so you can start to under- get a better understanding of how things are going to happen. Um, tight end, for example. Like, if I can get Hayden Hurst in the 13th round or Mike Kosicki or Tyler Higby or Jonu Smith at this point, I am doing backflips because I think all of these guys, like we've sort of talked about over the last couple of weeks, I feel like the tight end position has it has a potential to be much deeper than what it typically is in years past. Um, I love Hayden Hurst. I, like I mentioned, I think he's the clear number three target in this offense. Yep. Could, could soak up uh, all of those targets that is now vacated by Austin Hooper being gone. He's a little bit more athletic, so I love him. Mike Kosicki, bald in the second half of last year. Um, you know, Preston Williams will be back, so we'll see how he's worked back in. And then Johnny Smith is a guy that we really haven't talked about either, but a super athletic tight end. He's still very young, despite being the fact that he's been in the league, I think, four years now. But he's still only 24 years old. Super athletic tight end. Really kind of had to start to have a breakout in the second half of last season. Um, he did not really take over until week seven for the Titans. So, John is another guy. If I can get my hands on later, if someone like Hayden Hurst is gone and Mike Gesicki's gone, like I'm all about that life of Johnny Smith. He was actually what I was going to take, but I kind of felt like we were kind of getting on a little bit of a run here. So, that's why I went with him. Um, it, so far through this draft, outside of the dumb picks that we've seen, uh, is there anything that stood out to you? Um, you mentioned Anthony Miller going at the end of the 12th, and that's even with some of the dumb picks. Like I, I don't think that's too crazy for him, honestly. Like he just seems to be somebody who you know a lot of people were hyped on um, coming into his rookie year, then played through some injuries. He did have that crazy stretch at the end of the year, so maybe. You know, people will be thinking about that, and he'll move up a little bit. But, man, the thing that's standing out to me, you already touched on tight ends and the the viability of going late round because 
the the way that I feel with a, with late round tight end is one, like unless you're taking one of the top three, you should be waiting, right? But normally, if you wait this long, like you said, you you snagged Hayden Hurst in the thirteenth. I took T.J. Hawkinson in the fourteenth. Um, normally, whenever you wait this long, like you're not looking at an option where you're actually like excited to be drafting that tight end, right? Like normally it's just like super gross and you basically just take someone and you know, going forward, you're just going to be streaming tight end for the rest of the year. I I definitely don't feel that way about, you know, the guys you already mentioned, TJ Hawkinson. Um, We are on the last round here, but guys like Jack Doyle, Johnny Smith, even Irv Smith, I think could, could surprise and take a, take a step forward this year. Um, Ian Thomas, someone we haven't we haven't touched on too too much. So th- there are a lot of really nice options as far as tight end goes, and then obviously wide receivers just completely stacked and super deep, and that that's why I feel like it's it's viable. Depending on if you're in the front half of the draft, I might just go super running back heavy. To be completely honest, unless some of those wide receivers, the you know, I mean, the the bigger studs, the bigger names, start falling a little bit, because you can get really viable wide receiver options, uh, you know, in the mid to late rounds of your drafts. I, I agree on that. Um, it's setting up to be a pretty solid. Uh year for you know going running back early but that's that's the way it is every year right um can you do zero rb i think you can i i think i think the, the running back position is a little bit deeper this year than what it was last year we will see it's not something that i would uh tell somebody look anytime you step into a draft and you start drafting like you should never enter it being like okay we're doing a zero rb like that's not the way that you should ever run Correct. um it should just be that that's kind of how things fell and that's exactly what happened to me, right? And when I was drafting, like you know, there was, I couldn't pass up on Chris God, or Chris Godwin in the second at two, the two the two hundred seven, and then with Kenny Galladay on the board at three hundred six, that just was way too good a value to me to want to pass up. You know, I could have taken somebody at that point like a Kenyon Drake who I really like. I uh, you know I that was kind of my decision between him and Kenyon Drake. Uh, I think he was kind of the last of kind of the big name running backs that that I really wanted to get my hands on. But I also noticed that the the rookies weren't going to go. Now, in typical drafts, you know, like I said, as we get closer, you know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to go earlier. Jonathan Taylor is definitely going to go much earlier than this. Um, we could see somebody like a Cam Akers, or if something happens to Mark Ingram, a J.K. Dobbins jumping up there, or DeAndre Swift. Like these running backs, these rookies are going to go higher, whether we like them or not, because that's the way things that's just the way things have gone over the last couple of years, where we get rookie fever. The only thing that I wouldn't advise it, uh, of is taking a uh, rookie wide receiver super early because they're so volatile. But, you know, if you look at this draft overall, like, again, Devonta Freeman went in the third round. You know, so some of this messed around with a little bit of the value of where guys were going. Like, there's no way Allen Robinson is going in the fourth. Uh, if he is, that's a screaming value. But overall, like, you know, I walk away with this draft saying, okay, like um, – you know, I, I feel like I have a pretty good, pretty good grip on on how this is going to go. I definitely think going grabbing a running back early because I feel like once you get past that range of like the Chris Carsons, the Kenyon Drakes, like it starts to get pretty, pretty weird after that. Because w- once you get past that range, I, I think that maybe a guy like David Johnson can still be there. We talked about David Montgomery. Once you get past those guys, I mean, you're into the Marlon Mack ranges, which I don't know what to expect at this point from him. 
it's a lot of uh, it gets it gets kind of gross. You get the the Daryl Hendersons, the Carryon Johnsons, Kareem Hunt, Darius guys, guys like that, where there's much much less, you know, that's much more volatile. I guess I'll say that. And so you know the the volatility of, of wanting to go running back early, I, I think is definitely there, and that's why it's such a smart strategy to do it. However, I wouldn't just take a running back to take a running back. As we know, right. the best way to ever draft is is creating your own tiers, right? Go look as many rankings as you want to. Find the guys who who crush the, you know, the draft rankings every year. You know, Go to the TFA and find ours. Whatever you want to do, but create your own tiers. And drafting, uh, you know, tier-based drafting is much better than just picking up a draft magazine and heading in there or, or, or printing off your favorite analysts' rankings and walking in with those. That is not the way to do it. Um, and you can get yourself into trouble by doing so. I would create your own tiers, and put them into tiers, and that way, you know, you have a better options to choose from. So that way, you can kind of be flexible because that's what you should be doing anytime you draft. Yeah, if you, if you go if you go into a draft with blinders on because you know the, the, well, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I've been reading about. You're you're gonna you're gonna screw up. Like there there's just no two ways around it. Like any like this is the thing that annoys me so much about like any strategy, whether it's zero RB late quarterback late whatever it is if you're if you're going in with those kind of like all of those strategies can work if you hit on the right players right like uh, you know secret here let let me in let let me let you in on a on a little secret if you draft the right players and they stay healthy and they hit you're going to do okay so if you go into a draft like no, like no matter what strategy it is, like if you go 0 RB and the top 10 guys end up getting injuries and you're picking up the right guys off the waivers, guess what? Like 0 RB was going to work out for you. But if, you know, I mean if if these top 5, 6, 7, 8 guys all end up like hitting and st- staying healthy for the most part, 0 RB is going to become a, a little less viable. So it it all just depends on what it, you know, what kind of injuries we get. I mean, we, we had a couple running back injuries last year. Guess what? If you uh, if you hitched your wagon to like Brian Hill or Ito Smith, you were shit out of luck. Like that zero RB strategy did not work out well for you in, in that instance. So every every year is a different year. You can't go in with blinders. Basically, the 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 best way to do it do a couple mocks. We're obviously going to be doing um you know we'll, we'll start picking up the mock drafts where we're putting out the links for everything on on Twitter and across social media for, for you guys to join in and, uh, you know, do, do some mocks with us, do a couple of mocks, have a, have a general idea of where these guys are going and where, you know I mean? Where you're seeing guys fall. Um, Kev, you already, you brought up the point of like, it's, it's a good idea to look at some of this stuff early so you can see how high guys are rising, how, you know, how far guys are falling. So you can get an idea of, you know, what, what kind of, like where where the value is really really lying, like we we saw it last year with Chris Godwin. We were all about Chris Godwin. We loved him. You know he was a what sixth seventh round pick. You know then by the time that August came around and everybody was writing about their favorite sleeper and that was Chris Godwin. Favorite breakout was Chris Godwin. He wasn't going anywhere near there. So you can get a better idea of like who's getting pumped up, who's, you know, who's not getting the, not getting the love um, and kind of just going, going through drafts that way. And by finding like, by finding the value is always going to be your best bet, no matter what 
strategy you're you're trying to follow. Yeah, I mean, just going in sort of with a, a plan, right? Like that's not a novel idea to say, but um, yeah, and, and probably too, just understanding your draft and or understanding your league and your league mates, right? Yes. Like every league is different, and if you've done it enough and you've been in the league long enough, you kind of have an idea of where people are going to go, and maybe maybe you know that quarterbacks going to go much much earlier. But I don't care how early quarter, people, quarterbacks fly off the board. There's always going to be quarterbacks there that are viable to take. So I still wouldn't advocate for taking one early. Um. Just overall, so far, I, mean, I guess my general takeaway from this is I, th- I think clearly there are some issues with some of the guys who were taking, but and I do think that like Devontae Parker, for example, going at seven five is ridiculous. I don't know what's going on with that. Like he's definitely going to go much higher than that. For most people, he is kind of a you know wide receiver twenty, uh, wide receiver nineteen, wide receiver eighteen. So he's definitely going to be going much higher than probably the the, the seventh round. I, I think probably. Fifth round is probably where he'll end up coming. Fifth or sixth round, something in that range. So um, right now he is going at the end of the fifth, uh, according to Best Ball Ten ADP. Yeah, and that sounds about fair for Devonte Parker. Um, we'll have to see now with Preston Williams. Uh, there was actually reports that they're hoping he'll be ready for Week One, coming yeah. off that ACL. Uh, it's still gonna, probably going to take him a little time to kind of get acclimated and get uh, rejoined back into the offense. But you know, we saw Devonte Parker, and I'll say Devonte Parker's been in these 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 uh, social media streets, you know, coming and going, bringing it the bringing the the tough stuff to uh, Michael Thomas. Uh, Michael Thomas has just been on a, I don't know what's going on with Michael Thomas. Like anytime somebody, I think it was like NFL stats or something like that, just tweet had nothing. It was not a, a, a knock against Michael Thomas whatsoever. It was like the most hundred yard game since 2015. And that's all it was. Oh, yeah. just listed him. And he just like, got, all, got all up in his feelings about it. Well, what they won't tell you is I didn't get in the league until 2016. It's like, what? It wasn't a, this is why Michael Thomas is any good. It was literally just since 2015, most 100-yard games. That was it. Like, I don't know what's up with this man. Like, he's all on his feelings. He's coming at people. He's all upset. Like, I I don't know. Like, are, like, I, are we witnessing an Antonio Brown 2.0 right now that, that's, like, slowly bubbling with him or what? Or is he just that insecure? I, th- I think it's that quarantine life, man. N- n- not, nothing else better to do. So you're just scrolling through social media and searching your name, and whenever that shit pops up, guys are just uh, guys are jumping all over it. I mean, I, I, I like the crazy thing with Antonio Brown too was like there weren't like these necessarily like these warning signs, right? Like all of a sudden it was just like, oh hey, he. Uh, Decided not to play week 17 for the Steelers. Holy shit. He has locked himself in the house and he's yelling at the police. <laughs> it went from zero to a hundred real quick with, uh, with, with a B. But I, I, I did see, I did see somebody uh, make that, make that same comparison of uh, Michael Thomas to a B. Hopefully, hopefully that's not the, not the case. Well, I hope so too. I don't want to see that for anybody, but like just, it's all right, man. I, I hope the players are. I hope Keyshawn Vaughn is searching his name and seeing all the love. And I'm like, hey, that's my guy. That's my guy over here. Kevin Steele, he's got my back over here. Because, you know, but we're not going to get into Keyshawn Vaughn. All right? I'm not talking about it. I'm not going to bring it up. I, I've already said his name twice, and I'm not even going to get into that. Going down that road, it's just a slippery slope. And I, if I see somebody advocate for Ronald Jones one more time, I'm going to jump off a building. I, I think I think right now, if you look at some of these guys and you know, take out some of the, the craziness, um, you know, I still think there's some pretty solid value late in these drafts. You know, some guys that kind of stand out to me a little bit. I, you know, I'll be interested to see what happens with Curtis Samuel. You know, I, I think that there's some chances that uh, you know, how does he fit in in this offense? I think this is going to be a much more pass-heavy offense this year. 
under Joe Brady, you know, as the OC here? And, you know, how does he fit in? Are they able to get him, you know, the ball in space? Obviously, an upgrade at quarterback with Teddy Bridgewater, you know, the emergence of Robbie Anderson. This is Curtis Samuels last year as well. So, you know, how, you know, contract years are undefeated. So we'll see with that. And Akil Harry, I think, is also an interesting one who is not really getting a lot of hype right now. Like, right now, I mean, they don't really have anybody else. It's him and 33, 34-year-old Julian Edelman. I mean, obviously the quarterback is, is, yeah, I mean, yeah, that dude's a bum. But Jarrett Stidham is obviously going to be the quarterback in New England. And we're staring down the barrel of this being the worst offense in the league. But this is an offense that, one, I think this is a team that where like a Sony Michelle is actually probably a little bit undervalued right now, probably comparatively where he should be. Like, I don't think uh, um, James White is going to get 100 targets or something like that this year. I don't see that happening. I I think Sony Michelle is more involved in this offense this year than we expect him to be, barring injury. Now, if he can't stay healthy, Damian Harris. Have we completely forgotten that Damian Harris even existed? Because last year around this time and leading up to drafts, like Damian Harris was kind of a hot name, right? And people were getting excited about some Damian Harris in New England. And he seems like somebody that some people have just completely forgotten about. Do you think that he's somebody that people should be at least uh, on people's radars? I mean, he should definitely be on your radar just just by the the fact of like it is the uh, it's the New England offense. Right, like all it takes is is one thing for Sony to hit the bench and Damian Harris to pop up. Um, that man, I, do you do you know off the top of your head whether or not that um, Damian Harris was like injured or anything last year? I, I truly can't remember. No, he just never was really given much of an opportunity. Um, he was. And it's, it's not like it's not like Sony Michelle like really did much either you know what i mean like he quite he quietly had over 900 yards rushing he had 247 rush attempts but he only averaged 3.7 yards per carry so i mean like it's it's not like sony did that much to keep him on the bench like it, like damian harris wasn't on the bench because sony balled out right so you like i would have i would think that somebody like bill belichick would want to get somebody else involved that might like it couldn't have gotten any worse right for if Harris could have could have came in but obviously he didn't get that opportunity so if this is something that that came up today um in the in the Twitter streets talking about Sony Michelle and what to do with him and for dynasty purposes I think he could be a a sneaky buy low but at the same time my my point was is I don't really see how this offense got any better right so kind of expecting him to improve on his yards per carry to improve on that sort of thing i i just don't see where where that's going to come from and how that's gonna you know how that's gonna shake out but i mean like i said damian harris should be on your radar and kind of in the in the back of your mind as far as maybe like uh your your last pick of your of your draft just because of you know, we, we've seen the, the craziness before, you know, guys like Jonas Gray coming in and having, you know, completely balling out for two or three games and disappearing and then Rex Burkhead coming in for a game. So just because of that and their their history of use with uh, the running back position, he should definitely be be on your radar. But as of right now, it looks like it's lining up to be Sony and James White again. We'll see. I mean, there's been a lot, there's been some buzz, uh, you know, especially around, um, uh, you know, around Damian Harris and, you know, his involvement in this offense in year two. 
Uh, I mean, Sonny Michelle really flat out really hasn't done a whole lot. And I think probably it has to be on somewhat of a short leash. And they, I would assume that they would want to see what they have in Damian Harris. They did invest a third round pick in him, but you know, we'll see um, with, with them. So other than that, you know, I think my biggest takeaways here is, you know, where are these rookies going to slot in with rookie wide receivers? We sort of talked about it a little bit ago, but I do foresee some of these rookie wide receivers like Jalen Rager, Justin Jefferson. I think Justin Jefferson, and I think honestly, really Justin Jefferson has the biggest argument to probably be the first wide receiver taken in redraft this year. In Minnesota, they don't have, you know, Stefan Diggs is gone. Justin Jefferson is likely the number two wide receiver. And we've seen, you know, them to be able to coexist with Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen. They don't have anybody else. Uh, you did mention Irv Smith and the tight ends, but you know, and they do are they are a team that want to be more run heavy. But I just think that Justin Jefferson is going to have a real opportunity here to kind of hit the ground running. So we'll see with that because they don't really have anybody else. It's not like they have any other options where he's going to kind of get buried on the depth chart. So in terms of all the rookie wide receivers, I think he has the clearest path to touches. Maybe you can make a case with like Henry Ruggs uh, as being the other guy. Um, that that probably should be going. I think Justin Jefferson probably ends up going in like the ninth or tenth round, maybe even a little higher. If he gets, you know, seventh or eighth round, I would probably pause a little bit. But I still, I, I just think he is a, a ready-made wide receiver. I think his floor is certainly there, and somebody that you know, I got a fifteenth round. There's no way he goes that late. Um, with everything we know. And then with Henry, I would much rather have Justin Jefferson than Henry Ruggs. Like Henry Ruggs, I think, is definitely going to have some wide receiver one week. He'll definitely have some usable weeks in this offense. But I think it's going to be a little bit too unpredictable with Derek Carr back there, unless Derek Carr really changes his ways. So, you know, past that, like CeeDee Lamb uh, and redraft, like I don't love it. You know, like I have yeah. him as like wide receiver 40, wide receiver 41. I definitely have no problem taking him later. We've seen the the Cowboys be able to support three wide receivers. Um we we seen it last year with Randall Cobb, so I don't hate that. I think Jerry Judy certainly has a role as well, being the number two next to, and I guess you can make a case for him. And you know he's likely the number two or number three target in that offense, you know next to Cortland Sutton and Noah Fant. But you know how much of a passing offense do they want to be? But so I think they're all kind of right there. And I'm I'm interested. Plus Jalen Rager, which you know I didn't really get into, but it's going to be interesting to see where these guys go because typically we don't like to take rookie wide receivers early because they just don't typically pan out or they're they're much more volatile year one versus running backs where you know you give them the opportunities and more often than not they're going to be able to produce for you where these rookie wide receivers they're kind of hit or miss did anybody see terry mclaurin being one of the best rookie wide receivers last year no No. uh you know and but last year was one of the better you know rookie wide receiver classes we've had in a long time now is this class going to be that i think there's a lot of hype for that to be that but we don't know yet so I think you know this is another situation where I'm really going to be monitoring wide receivers over the offseason to see where these guys are going, and if I can get them, if I can get them at fair enough value, like I have no problem with taking it. Like if I took out Justin Jefferson like the ninth round, I'd feel pretty solid about that. Yeah, for sure. For for me, the wide receiver one for dynasty purposes and for for redraft is still going to be Jalen Rager. I think he not only does he have the ability to get the you know the wide receiver one treatment for an offense. Uh, I do think he's best situated in, in the offense that he's he's in as well. The the thing that we've been talking about for the past couple of weeks, it's going to be the most important thing, whether it's running back or wide receiver, no matter what position you're talking about, is going to be what does the offseason program look like? Does it continue just to be, you know, all virtual until we get to training camp? Like how does it how does all this shake out? Um, you're obviously right with 
with leaning more toward rookie running backs for redraft purposes um, versus the the wide receiver, but that's gonna that's gonna play that's gonna play a massive role. Um, just uh, some of the guys you were touching on real quick. Uh, best ball ten ADP over the past week. Rugs was going at pick one ADP of one twenty eight in the tenth. Just Justin Jefferson at one thirty eight in the eleventh, and then Reger was going three picks later at one forty one. My pants off. I, I have no problem with that. Then you know, give me that all day. Like I said, I think Justin Jefferson has a chance to hit the ground running in this offense, and I think Jalen Reger has just as much. I think him, Judy Reger are the, are the guys that I would probably have the most interest in this year for redraft. Like you know, for one year, uh, you know, my, my my opinion would change with Dynasty, but. I think those are kind of the guys, but there's some other dudes that I think that could like Denzel Mims, Brian Edwards, like some of these other guys that I think certainly have an opportunity, Michael Pittman to be uh contributors, contributors year one. But those are more guys that I think are probably going to end up going undrafted. The guys you want to monitor. And I think that's where really diving into some of these guys and understanding who these guys are and redraft uh, really plays a big factor for you. Anthony McFarland is another guy um, that I certainly would have interest in. And I think he ends up has an opportunity probably to go here in the 15th, 14th, 15th round, something like that, um, as we get closer to the start of the season where some of these games are going to start to shake themselves out to get some more, some more answers. So I think this is a good exercise to do. I would, If I was anybody, I would encourage them to kind of jump in and do a couple of these uh, mock drafts here and there. You know, what, what else do we have to do right now, right? We're all uh, coming out of quarantine slowly, but uh, we, don't, we don't have a whole lot else going on, no real sports outside of NASCAR, which, ooh, you know, got Coca-Cola 600 this weekend, baby. Let's go. Memorial Day weekend. But uh, anyways, mm. so uh, with that, uh, do you have any last words? I do not, man. Just uh, appreciate everyone for always checking in, on whether it's on YouTube or through the podcast or anything like that. Just if you are watching on YouTube and if you're listening through the podcast and you're not yet subscribed, really appreciate if you guys would uh, – you know, hit hit that like, hit that subscribe, and then also share this share this with the with the friends and fam. Yeah, and also also just looking forward to uh, to the new show that's going to be kicking off this week as well. I'm 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 excited for that. We we've been talking about wanting to do something charity wise, and we we've kind of finally settled on on this idea, and that you know, kind of going going this direction. So I'm 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 excited to you know to be able to you know branch out to you know guys that have served that have, you know, that have been around the kind of the, the fantasy Twitter and those actually those who haven't, I think those are going to be the ones that, that I'm really looking forward to get to get to talk to and just get to talk to some of the people who might not be, you know, affiliated with any site past or past or present. So hundred percent, hundred percent. I think that, and I do think, I do think there's some parallels between fantasy and, um, the fa- fantasy football and the military, which seems crazy. I-, I was in the military, like I mentioned, I was in the Navy. Um, and I think the camaraderie that you have with your league mates uh, is very is is something that you get from the military and something that anybody who's in the military understands of how strong that bond is between people. And that's kind of how it is with fantasy football in a way. So I do think there's some parallels there. And so we just wanted to be able to talk to some people, some veterans, and kind of get their stories about things that they've been through and to be honest, like everybody has their own story. Everybody has their own journey. You know, every branch is different. Every service is different. Every command is different for that matter. And 
I just felt like this was a good opportunity for us to kind of get some stories of people that don't really talk about it. Because veterans, we don't, as veterans, we don't really talk about it all that much. Um, what does it matter really what we've been through or some of the crazy stuff we've seen? We just kind of keep it to ourselves. So I think this is a good opportunity to kind of learn some things if you're not in the military or maybe your family was and you just don't really know a lot about it and to kind of get more insight into what we do and what the military does. And we, you know, we're coming up on Memorial Day and we figured it was a good opportunity to earn some money. So the veterans uh, oftentimes uh, try to act tough. So anyways, uh, we hope everybody tunes into that on Thursday it should, or it should be out on Friday for the podcast. But, and again, if you're listening to this on podcast, uh, you know, please, uh, hit that like or hit that subscribe button for us. I really appreciate it. And leave us a review. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that like and subscribe it really helps us grow. We got a lot of fun content planned and we're going to keep doing more. So until next, well, actually until Thursday, well, you know, which when this this podcast, this podcast will be out, and then you know on Friday, whenever our new podcast comes out, we really appreciate all the support, and we will see you guys again next week.
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.